0: Hello and welcome to this Franchise Radio Show. I'm very pleased today to be able to introduce to you Kerry Bolton. Kerry has a fascinating business and uh, I'm very fortunate to, be able to drag her away from it today to have a chat to us. Her business is called the Exit Strategy Group and uh, she's going to share with us some really interesting information that uh, I think is very helpful to everyone. We should all know this, wherever stage we're out in business, it's called we titled uh, this radio show Exit Strategies: The Uncensored Truth. We're going to really glean some great snippets of information from Kerry. I've just read her book that she released recently, and I know that she's going to share some great information. So, when it comes to um, understanding business and what it's all about, and achieving value, Kerry's someone that comes to this table with a lot of experience. She she's um, had over 15.4 million dollars with her runs on the board from businesses she's helped to build and sell in the last three decades. So that's really down at the coalface. And uh, from people I've spoken to about Kerry, who I've known for several years, is uh, they find her uh, a very elegant and serial entrepreneur was the term someone used. So she's the first person, I understand, uh, that managed and ran and, and owned an international freight forwarding company, quite a challenge in itself. And she negotiated a buy-up of Freight Management International um, by uh, the division of uh, the public company, Main Nicholas. She also sold the business some nine years later after a multi-million dollar turnaround. So, over the past 20 years, Kerry's also mentored many business owners, which is a passion of hers through successful growth, and also helping them position themselves for their ultimate sale, everyone's objective. So, she works specifically with business owners and franchisors to help them create their business exit strategy uh, so they have a life after business, um, Kerry. I don't know whether you want to add anything or correct any of my description there of the introduction. But hello, and thanks very much indeed for making yourself available.
1: Uh, thanks very much, Brian. I appreciate it very much. The um, um, I, I guess uh, maybe the management buyout from the, of the business from uh, May Nicholas back in the early days was uh, one of the most incredible learning experiences I ever had. <laughs> having um, come through uh, the corporate scene, so to speak, um, I think we uh, discussed once before about being a corporate escapee in many respects. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's certainly a bit of a wake-up call once you get outside the comfort zone of uh, being inside a corporate and uh, uh, what that brings to being in your own business and standing on your own two feet. And I think uh, uh, it 's one of those um, passions in my life that I see around me um, with business owners and I applaud everyone who 's in their own business. I just think it 's what makes this country uh, as exciting and um, presents us with the opportunities that we actually have
0: yeah, yeah you give me a topic for another meet for another another session there actually when it comes to people adjusting themselves to business after a a life in corporal government because the transition's huge. So we won't go down that channel, but it's fascinating. I know we could spend 30 minutes talking about it so, easily. Um, from your your vast experience, um, do you what do you find with regards to business owners? Do they know what an exit strategy is? Are they aware of it?
1: It's an interesting question, Brian, because most aren't, or if they are, it's it's a, an awareness that's sort of uh, almost like the elephant in the room that no one. Um, wants to talk about mm. um, and uh, at the mo where we are today, we now ha- are in a position where um, most of our baby boomer business owners are looking down the track of uh, potential retirement not too far away, certainly you know maybe within the next ten years. Uh, or, or a little bit longer and uh, there's going to be a huge wave of business sales coming. So the whole notion of, of, of about developing an exit strategy is something that um, given time, if you do give yourself enough time, uh, you can really make sure that you um, create a, a successful pathway from where you are now today enjoying the fruits of your labour in terms of your business to where you want to be. and um, Creating a new life for yourself once you once you've let go of that uh, of the reins of the business, and whether that's in a, in the form of succession to a family member, or somebody else, or whether it's in the form of a business sale, and what I would like to define an exit strategy as, it's not just about getting your business ready for sale, which. You know, I use the word sale in the sense of whether it be succession, as I mentioned before, to somebody within um, your family or business. But but I use the word moving along, moving it on, and moving yourself out of the business. And so, I would say, an exit strategy really is about aligning your business and your personal, uh, your financial and your family goals. And if you give yourself enough time, you can do that. But it does require a bit of thinking, engagement with those people, those stakeholders across all those areas of your life and addressing the thorny issues that may well be there.
0: Mm. Yeah, facing those realities. So actually there's a herd of elephants in the room. <laughs> correct, correct. Absolutely right. Um, yeah, that's, that's... And also whether you're, going to, whether you're thinking of moving on in the short or the long term, the fact is what you're suggesting is you really need to have a strategy in place now because it's going to take you time to implement it effectively.
1: Correct, correct. And, well, taking time is, what it is, is actually giving yourself enough time. Right. So if, if um, someone came to me, actually as they did do during the week last week, and said to me, someone came from left field, one of his customers actually came to him and said, um, if you're ever thinking of selling this business, I'd like to buy it. Well, it just about <laughs> knocked him for a six because... <laughs> He'd had not, he'd sort of ha- hadn't really had a thought about potentially a customer wanting to buy his business. It just hadn't occurred to him. Mm-hmm. And the fact then now that the customers raised his awareness about that, in, in my conversation with him, I said, "Well, okay. So given that that's there and it's a potential opportunity, when do you think you'd like to get out of the business?" He said, "Oh, in about three months." Well, you know. I really had to contain myself because it's not something you can do in three months. Not if you really want to maximise the value that you can get mm-hmm. out of your business. And um, if some, if you sit down now and start to think about the issues that surround moving out of your business, then if you do have someone come from left field like that and make you an offer, well, you're ready. So unfortunately, three months from now is a lot to, it, it is not something that's realistic, it's, it's two to five years and then you can do things on your own terms and on your own timeline, because so, meanwhile with the business of course you have to keep the business ticking along, you have to actually show some blue sky and have it growing in order for you to be able to maximise the value that you can and the wealth that you can actually get out of your business when you sell it.
0: I mm, well, haven't worked over the years, with many people helping them sell their businesses uh, the, the biggest problem that people have is they put it on the market and effectively they almost put the clothes sign up because mentally they've gone and, as you say, it may take some time. So in your experience, then, looking at, you know, obviously a large number of businesses, what is it that triggers re- them really wanting to put their business for sale? What, what are the...
1: Well, as I said, uh, sometimes um, it can be just that people have had enough. But yeah. in terms of contingencies, these are the, the main triggers that, will come along sometimes and catch you if you haven't thought about putting in, in place an exit strategy. And it's commonly called the five Ds. So you have um, death, divorce, disability, disputes and disaster. Now, I have to say that I've had um, death happen in my business. Um, certainly uh, some I know of a client who have, has had a disaster where a fire Went through the business. Mm. Um, I know of another business where they've had disputes amongst the shareholders that have created an absolute um, catastrophe as far as mm. the business is concerned. But, and personally, I haven't had the divorce. Um, I haven't had the disability in one sense, but have had in another when my husband uh, succumbed to bowel cancer. But, you know, things like that, if you have thought about and put in place contingency plans which is part of an exit strategy right. then you have mechanisms to deal with those situations so um i just give you an example when with my freight business our um one i actually had shareholders in that business so um uh, to buy it as a management buyer i had to actually go out and raise funds and that was another, that's another whole story mm. but uh, getting investors for your business um we had uh, one of our directors and uh, who's a shareholder uh, was diagnosed with liver cancer and right. unfortunately got in very quickly. Within three months, he was, he was gone. What we didn't know at the time was the bank froze all our accounts. Now, we could have been out of business in 24 hours. Fortunately, we had enough sway with the bank through the investors to be able to overcome that rapidly. But for 24 hours, we had no cash so can you imagine now I mean that taught me a lesson that said fine well now we've got to make sure we've got a contingency plan in place should anything like that ever happen again what do we do so that's just one example Um, and as I mentioned before another client who had a fire go through the business well um, he thought he was covered as far as his insurance and um, other policies were concerned but it wasn't the case because of the nature of the fire. Mm-hmm. So he was out of business for three months, um, almost killed him, almost in terms mm-hmm. of the business, but he was, he was able to recover. So, you know, just by thinking through these issues, it gives you the opportunity to really examine mm-hmm. what you have in place and what you may need to put in place.
0: Absolutely. So you, you, you've, especially you've more or less answered the question I've, I've raised here. And uh, I was listening to an interview with Gail Kelly, the ex-CEO of Westpac, the other yes. day, who's recently retired after an incredibly successful um, career, an extraordinary woman. But uh, mm-hmm. she's got a passion going forward, and for her it's philanthropy and women's issues and so on. So there was someone who's obviously bridged already that gap um, because she got it planned, so I, I guess that sort of leads to this question I was going to ask you. Why is it important to have an exit strategy?
1: Well, <laughs> getting out of your business is one thing and successfully selling it and moving on. The next thing is what are you going to do hmm. now we've heard so many stories of people who have retired and uh, unfortunately men in particular. Um, and within a very short time um, they're they're gone. Uh, And I think one of the most important things when you're preparing your exit strategy is, in fact, to think about what am I going to do in my next life? What am Mm. I going to create for myself? Um, What am I going to do... um, after I've gone out and I've played golf and I've done my bit of travel and I've really had the sabbatical that I, I really want to have for however long that might be and I mean I highly recommend that people do that and I applaud it. Um, but then what are you going to do? You know, there's only so much golf you could play if you're a golfer and um, what are you going to do once you've read the paper in the morning? Um, what are you going to do for um, uh, lunch and uh, you're going to go to the club as my husband said yes I'll be at the club well he won't (laughs) that's not going to happen in terms of all day every day so what are you going to do what are you going to do what are you going to reinvent for yourself to be able to do for the rest of your life and what is it that makes you get your juices flowing and your juices going um, again i can I can give an example of uh, somebody close to me who had an absolutely fantastic business and grew it from scratch um, five hundred staff at one stage a huge wow. business uh, fourteen different companies and uh, over the course of his business life, he did sell um, those businesses to management and that's actually how he created his exit but ultimately it was once the last business had moved on he played golf for a while and enjoyed that did a bit of travel um, and uh, unfortunately went into serious depression uh, for about three years and uh, to this very day is still on medication some 10 years mm-hmm. later for that mm-hmm. because there was nothing to be able to fill the void because so many people have their identity wrapped up in their business. So it's so important to think about what else are you going to do. Ken, you might be able to go to mentor different people. You have other passions that you're interested in perhaps in the community as you said then with Gail Kelly, with women's issues and philanthropy, um, you know, there's, there's so many different opportunities that are available to us. It's just a matter of giving it some thought. Mm. Once it's in your awareness, rather than it catching you by surprise.
0: Yeah, look, having retired once myself, um, it didn't take Prue and I more than 12 months before we realised that we had to do something. So hence the business I have today was sort of created over exactly because of that reason because you said well we need to do something but what can we do that's meaningful because if you've been in business had a serious career um it's more than just being busy i mean it's it's the achievement it's the sense of satisfaction it's the why that actually makes you get out of bed in the mornings and that's not just doing a job or delivering meals for the meals on wheels so it's important you have got to find out you know what, what you need to be a happy person i suppose
1: That's exactly right. And, Mm. Brian, it's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing because I really did, I put it in, you know, quotes retire uh, for a little while to see uh, my children through the end of their school lives and university lives, and they're off travelling the world and doing their own thing these days, Uh, and it was a case of, okay, well, I've done all that, you know, and I, I still do a lot of work in our local community. I'm still very actively involved in our local sports club as secretary, and I run all the little cricketers, so I do the Milo cricket. As well, which uh, you know, as I said, just about twenty years now that I've been doing that, and so I have those interests. But there's also another passion for me, in a way that's um, uh, a bit like Gal Kelly. I mean, I can I've had so many personal experiences in the course of business with my own businesses and growing them and then selling them off, um, with. Uh, my husband's businesses as well. We've we've been in real estate and uh, sold those businesses as well and started new businesses. And uh, as I may have mentioned, he he got cancer after we'd sold um, one of our real estate businesses. um, He stayed on in the business for a couple of years as a listed cell salesman, but then he um, got bowel cancer and did resign and leave. Now, he was out of Work then for 11 months whilst he went through the um, uh, treatment process. And in that period of time, you know, we were really reflecting on what we wanted to do for the future. We've gone back in and started another business, which is what he's involved in now, which is uh, going along really very nicely for the, into our fourth year now. Um, and for me, it was more, it was about getting back in and being able to reignite um, my passion for business with Business people, and I could just see this coming, this wave of business sales that's mm. actually coming—the the big bubble with the baby boomers—and um, not, en- certainly not enough Gen Ys out there to be able to buy every single business. And regrettably, the st- statistics are, it's the old eighty twenty rule. Um, unfortunately, eighty percent of the businesses that are up will go up for sale, just won't sell. It'll only be the 20% of the businesses that'll be, be able to be sold. And th- that. so what I want to do is work with people to get them into that 20% so that they're the ones that can stand up and rise up above the crowd. They'll be the cream and they'll be able to get out on their own terms, in their own time.
0: Mm, that leads me to another important question, and I don't know if I... Um, the, the time I spent in real estate one one way or another and, and the time yourself you 'd realize I, I look at the analogy of people selling their houses and they they think that uh, uh, fill in the cracks up the stairs in the wall and you know tidy up this and that, and get the lawns cut and get a few few annuals flowering in the in the garden beds and that 's it well of course there 's a lot more to it than that if you want to optimize the value and you know, we know there are people that run successful businesses just putting good furniture into homes to make them presentable and all the rest of it and so forth. So when it comes to a business, um, what, what is it you really need to focus on to make your business saleable, um, Kerry?
1: Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's quite a, f- like a few things that you can really look at that will make your business attractive to mm-hmm. a buyer. Um, the, this is just... I'm just going to run across a, sort of a handful of them.
0: Um, Please do. But, but if, if Those of you listening... I suggest if you haven't already got your pen and pad out there, do make a note of these things, because I think these will trigger some things that you should be doing now, um, irrespective of when you think you might exit through choice or circumstances. So, yeah, please jot these, these down. I think these are going to be gold. Yeah, carry on, please. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, well, the, in terms of um, like the business itself, the business factors that uh, in. Uh, potential buyers or investors will look at will be they'll be certainly be looking at the number of years you've been in business that makes a Big, that makes a, a huge difference because it means you've got a, a, a solid base that's been growing over a period of time. They're going to look at your management strength. Have you got people who have been there for a long time? Uh, have you got managers? I mean, if the um, if the business is reliant um, specifically on you, then you really need to get yourself out of the business in that respect because you're not saleable with the business. You're the one who's moving on. Um, customer loyalty how long have your clients been with you and how are you dependent on any particular client they they're going to have a look closely at that they're going to have a look at your brand awareness you know the brand's not your logo or or the design of your name or anything like that brand brand's about how your customers actually feel about you. So they're going to have a look at that as well. What I mentioned before about having a good cu- customer base, not concentrated. So um, in our freight business, we worked really hard to make sure that no one client represented more than 5% of the business because we just didn't want to be dependent on, mm. on one customer. Do you have any packaged IP, or intellectual property or, or technology? Um, and particularly if you're in a franchise, uh, you should have that settled you know that should be well documented and um uh, understood protected uh have you got trademarks registered and that sort of thing even if you're not uh, as a as a or even if you're not um, if you're in an independent business, there are elements of your business that are valuable that fall into that category that you may not be aware of. So when you're working on these things and preparing in advance, it gives you a chance to make sure that they're identified and set up and you can put some value around them. Um, you're going to be looking at staff that you have. Have they been? How long have they been there? Um, what sort of turnover you have? Uh, whether, in fact, you, as I mentioned before, you're reliant on certain key people. So they're going to look at that. Location, now this might, may or may not be important depending on the type of business that you have. I know with our freight business it was really important that we were located at the airports, which is where we were. We could easily handle our ocean freight um, work from the base at Tullamoree, or in Melbourne it was at Tullamoree, but in the airport locations, but uh, we certainly couldn't handle air freight from down at a seaport, so we had to be at the airports. Um, things like uh, also is your business model replicable obviously for a franchise you are if you're a franchisor your business model is definitely replicable and that adds a huge amount of value uh, in terms of growth and of course have you got your business systems and processes uh, documented well documented and um that's in terms of the business, that's the sort of things that they're going to look at. Financially, they're going to look at um, things like your profitability, obviously, what's the, your past profitability and your present profitability what sort of growth do you have and we mentioned this a couple of times in the course of our conversation you need to be showing growth if you really want to sell your business you've got to keep your eye on the ball you've got to make sure that the business continues to grow and in fact that you can hit the targets that are that you believe are there in terms of your forecast um Is there certainty in those um, figures that you've put down there? Have you got a track record that can show that there's some certainty in that particular growth? And if you have a recurring revenue model, I mean, this is gold. If you have a business that creates recurring revenue, whether it be in the form of, for instance, maintenance contracts or you know, regular uh, commitments that people make financially to you uh, with subscriptions or things like that, then, of course, that value, that's valued very highly as far as a business goes.
0: Yeah, long list there, everybody, and uh, um, that, that often lead to a bit more... Um, something that people tend to overlook, you mentioned about location, um, is, uh, from my experience, is uh, making sure they've secured good options on their leases. If they've got a lease on a premises and you put it up, you're putting the business for sale, your buyer's going to want to know there's certainly some very good options, and preferably not all signed, sealed, and committed for the next 10 years, but certainly options so that uh, they can do that if they don't want to relocate. Now, um, there's, a, there's, there's some interesting stuff there, and uh, there are things that people should out of, uh, basically, out of, I suppose, just, Common sense business um, can do as a matter of course anyway things like protecting your IT and your trademarks all all that sort of thing um, we come around now to the other stickler uh, and this is where where uh, you, you get the I think probably the biggest disparity that I see is uh, you get for example an accountant to value a business on behalf of a vendor and you get another accountant to vendor it on behalf of the purchaser and you've got daylight in between the figures. Um, What's your view of how businesses are, are, you know, accurately valued, Terry?
1: Well, it is like, uh, as you've just said, it it really is a case of um, what is the business worth to the buyer?
0: Mm.
1: It's got nothing to do with what you think it's worth.
0: (laughs) It's
1: what it's, what is it worth to the buyer. So um, one of the first things that I would highly recommend to anyone is to get um, an independent valuation of your business because again, it's like selling a house. You think it's worth some X amount. Um, the market is going to tell you what the property is really worth and it's exactly the same for a business but you 've got to have a starting point, so my recommendation is get an independent valuation um, i 've got a, a a method of being able to go through a business very quickly uh, just with getting some answers to some questions and getting you getting a ballpark valuation so um, On average, I can tell you now that the uh, average is around about one and a half to two times uh, net profit EBITDA um, and is before interest, tax, depreciation and amortisation. So uh, that's the average. Um, However... It really depends on who you're selling to. Um, there's, I can tell you, in our real estate business, the one that we sold in 2007, we sold that for four and a half times. Now that was mm. that was unheard of, but mm. it was because of the buyer. It was because of the value of the business to the buyer, and so every transaction is different. You know, you can crunch numbers and get averages, but every single transaction is different. But you have to have a starting point. And that's where, what I went, where I came from before in terms of giving yourself enough time. Because if you, if you do get an independent valuation and that, the gap between what that comes in at and what you need Mm. and what you want to be able to get out of the business, what, what's the, the sum of money that you're prepared to accept? Well then we look at the gaps and say, okay, what can we do? What can we do to close the gap between where you're currently sitting and where you want to be in terms of selling the business? And how can we make the business more attractive to the buyer? What are the things that we have to do to be able to um, improve the value? Now, that can often be something very simple. Uh, But until you take those benchmarks, you don't really know.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that it it, it does create some – I suppose people don't, you don't realise that a business is up for sale in the market, generally speaking. So most, most people in business don't realise how long often business is sitting there. I think the, the simple comparison is if you can see the odd house up the street or in your area that's had for sale signs up for the last 12, 18 months and probably with three or four different agents, the odds are there's either there's a calamity there and it's made of asbestos or more likely the vendor is just asking an unrealistic figure. And it happens with businesses just as well as you say. So it's the, it's what it's the buyer's eyes, and you've got to convince them it's got value. So that's the important thing, isn't it? You and it depends. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, it depends on the type of buyer as well. Because if you're looking at someone who's who's interested in your business um, from a strategic perspective, it's about what they can do when that business is part of their business. You know, it's not Mm. they're not just a financial buyer where the business is going to stand alone. They're a strategic buyer. And so they're going to be looking at the synergies that are going to be created for um, their own businesses by bringing yours in under their ownership. And their valuations are likely to be much... Those sorts of valuations with strategic buyers are likely to be much higher than it would be with simply a financial buyer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, cash converses... The public company, the uh, the pawnbroking business um, that I know very well. I used to be in business with the founder, Brian Cummings, and I noticed recently they they bought four of their stores in Victoria from one owner um, and paid about six million for them, which was about four times. Whereas normally out in the marketplace, the average sort of business in that field probably gets two times. And I thought, wow, that's quite a return. This fellow got a, a handshake of about I don't know seven or eight million dollars. Um, but from the point of view, cash converters, they're actually earning around, around uh, 17 times. So for them, they've got f- a four times increase in the value of that business just by absorbing within their company. So they've made a very quick profit um, and increased the value of their shares to their char- shareholders. So you know, you've got to find out. That's why I'm finding the right buyer. Absolutely. Absolutely. It be, yeah, and it may well be somebody you know.
1: Yeah, well, I you know, there's a, a recent example not so long ago of a um, an insurance business uh, based in Victoria, but they had um, uh, a very strong client base uh, with recurring income because they had renewable policies year in, year out. Um, Their insurance company and also a finance company for um, car purchases. They were very focused and narrow in that niche. Um, that business was purchased by CarSales.com, and the owner was able to take away for half of the business sixty million dollars.
0: Wow! So that was yeah. a nice
1: piece of trade, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely,
0: but it mm. was
1: just amazing. And in fact, um, you know, and that's just half the business. But it, why? So you think about it: private company purchased by CarSales.com, obviously in in a you know listing listed business, but. What was it that was a value? Well, it's the client base, clearly the client base, and the recurring income, and the synergy that it created in terms of the exponential increase in their valuation, just mm. as you talked about with cash converters.
0: So. Mm. so we mentioned earlier why it's important to have your exit strategy and life afterwards, and so on. So um, but basically, you know, what, what do you recommend to people? They do, you know, when it, in regard to what they start doing and and how they. Um, you know, basically prepare for life after business?
1: Well, I think, you know, obviously it is very individual um, and it's something that um, uh, you do if you give it some thought. As I said to my husband um, on a a few occasions, you know, I married you for better or worse, but not for lunch. So, you know... you know, you just—it's about sitting around and thinking about what your options are and the mm. um, the transitions that you can put in place and and how being uh, how selling your business and transferring it. What's your transition going to be like to the the things that you really want to do after you've sold the business? Um, and we we did actually touch on some of those things previously. Mm. Mm. Uh, and you know, especially about getting past the the fact that you're. Um, Every day your motivation's been for many years to get up, out of bed, get yourself ready and go to work you know your identity is tied up in your work mm. and i mean i had i did actually have that situation myself where i didn't think about it when i sold the freight business that i'd had which you know i'd been working in that business since 1983 to 1996 so a long time um, when i bought it as, in 87 and then sold it 9 years later so I'd been in it a long long time and then you know suddenly i'm out of it uh, even though it, I'd, I had I actually had a two-year earn out, but, you know, once I'd sold and was gone, it was like, oh, what am I going to do? Okay, right, hmm. I don't really know. Oh, okay. Well, I took myself off to university and did a part-time master's degree, um, which was great because I'd never got to university. I meant in the early years, but they they let me in, which was really nice. Hmm. But I also started another business after that as well. So in business, that's what took me into business coaching. In fact, uh, okay, makes it, sense. Yeah, it gave me the opportunity. And this is well before business coaching became as well understood and and. Um, uh, respected, you know, as it is today. And in fact, uh, people really look for it today in, in this day and age. So, uh, back in sort of the late 90s. But, you know, I think that, for me, that gave me a sense of ful- fulfillment. You know, I was able to continue to really enjoy my personal passions in, in and around business. So I think it's the, the transition and the, th- the time that you give to thinking about what it is that you 're going to do around that is crucial. The other issue to face, of course, is all of a sudden you 're going to have a fair amount of money now, mm-hmm. there was a study that was done in the u s about um, with entrepreneurs who 've sold their businesses and managed uh, and all of a sudden had a huge sum of money. It's, it's an, it's an event that a lot of people don't understand when you, usually you've been working really hard, you've been managing your day to day cash flow, but then now suddenly you've got a lot of money to deal with. Um, The stories that have gone in the past as well that we've heard about where people have won massive amounts of money in lotteries and what have you uh, and then within a very short time all that money's gone because Mm. they simply don't know how to manage it. Mm. So there's some very strategic thinking required around um, managing the wealth that it creates for you and I'm not talking about wealth management plans per se, but it does affect your thinking, you know. Um, yeah. you certainly do need um, uh some very thorough um uh understanding and advice around how to manage that and, of course, make the, make the money last as long as life. You don't want to be running out of money before you run out of life, that's for sure. sure. Uh, but by the same token, um, it's, it, it is a, a, a personal issue that needs to be looked at quite closely and how you deal with it. Um, there were some other people that I um, I know of who had <coughs> sold their business and... Uh, had a number of millions of dollars uh, to um, in their pockets. And after about three years, they went off and bought a restaurant. <laughs> mm. Now, I mean, you know, it's hard work, mm. working in a restaurant, having a restaurant business. And that wasn't, that wasn't what they were in previously at all. They were, they were in engineering businesses. But they went off and bought a, rest, a restaurant because they said, you know what, we had no purpose and you know a life without purpose was no life so Mm. they are well into their 60s and just decided they wanted to be in this restaurant and that's what they've been doing for the last few years because they've enjoyed it and they've now put management in and you know it's not a case of um, it's making heaps of money for them it's but it's creating uh, an interest and a life for them that they didn't have before so the whole transition is something to give some thought around.
0: Yeah, look, I was uh, enjoyed a, a lovely meal last night with uh, some uh, um, two, two couples, actually. And uh, one of them recently had sold their business, and I can see them heading into depression. They've just lost, you know, it's, it's almost, once we were talking once, I think you and I, and mentioned about the grieving sort of part yes, of it that you yes. suffer when you've lost your baby, you know, because yes. business is, I mean, it's been your life for a lot of people.
1: Yep, Absolutely, and it's important to actually go through that process. Um, I learned the other day, it was very interesting, there's a, in fact been a mentoring group that's bubbled up in the US now um, called Evolve. Purely and simply, it's actually only in Chicago I think, um, but it's, it's developed because the, of the people that have sold their businesses and they are now in limbo land. They're not sure how they can cope. They're not coping well with the fact that they're not able to get up every day and actually go to work. It's very interesting, isn't it? It's a psychological um, uh, process that we all need to transition through to be able to continue to have a life
0: purpose. Yeah, but no, in, in wrapping up then, um, you, you're saying, okay, at some stage you're going to exit, you're going to have a strategy, but also there's timing because you've got to work out what, sort of funding you need, you know, what are you going to need to, to live to be 100 <laughs> to, uh, to serve as your needs for whatever lifestyle you want to maintain, whatever travel you want. So yeah. how do you recommend, what, was, where do you, how do you draw people's attention to that?
1: Well, I think it's, you know, uh, and I have to put in place a disclaimer here, I'm certainly not a financial advisor and I'm not giving anyone any financial advice, but the, you know, most businesses work on a, a budget you know, you sit down every year and you do a forecast plan of uh, revenue and expenditure. I wonder how many people have ever done that for their own family uh, and whether um, the thought has even occurred. Uh, and now that you're in a position where the income is uh, fixed to some extent, it's very important to sit down and really work out what it is that you need to be able to sustain, you know, the lifestyle that you want to enjoy and um, the sort of... Um, income that you can derive from from the investments or, you know, the, the money that you now actually have from having been out of your business. So sitting down and developing a little bit of a, a plan and a budget around that is really useful. Um, and as I said before, you've got to make sure that you uh, don't run out of money before you run out of life. So.
0: Yeah, so that in itself may give you a very good objective from the point of view of your business with some real-time targets to set. So rather than just carrying on growing the business or doing yeah. what you're doing you actually you know say right this is it i've got a target when i when my business is worth 2 million 5 million whatever it might be that's your goal so you can put a strategic plan in place and that's going to motivate you and your team as well
1: absolutely yeah. in fact um, i was also chatting to um, another client the other day and her first question to me was Kerry. Where do I start I've been in business she's been in business for over twenty years and she's still a, a young woman she's only in her early 40s and um, she just said I, I just don't know where to start so the biggest hurdle was where do I start um, and you know it it really is quite simple the first point you start at is, as I mentioned earlier, get that um, independent valuation um, and you just have a look at the gaps and start thinking about where it is you uh, want to go, what the gap is between what you are prepared to sell the business for and um, what you really need and then having a look at alignment of all the goals of, between the business and the personal the financial or family, you know, shareholders that are there and that's where you start so it's it's not that hard really no, no. and I,
0: look i, I know we 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 uh, this all, all all sort of stimulates lots of other questions but uh, i think we've we've really um, done well in what we've achieved here today what i would like to just is just to see whether there's a way that um, the listeners can tap into some of your knowledge and resources uh, I know you've got uh, some material. So wh- what can you offer to, uh, to the listeners from that point of view, Kerry?
1: Sure, Brian. Um, if anyone would like a copy of my book, it's, um, it's available uh, from my website and it's free. There's no uh, cost associated with it. So um, you can just log on, go to um, the three W's, of course, theexitstrategygroup.com a u and you'll find there's a, a link on the right hand side where you can just click on that and order the book it is a physical book it will come in the mail so um, you've, you just need to enter that information and um, if anyone would like a complimentary um, exit strategy consultation uh, there's also a link on the website to be able to click on that you can just book a time um, it'll happen automatically through the wonder of technology that
0: we have yeah. these
1: days yeah. well,
0: well, and thank you very much, Kerry. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I think there's a lot of information here. I, um, a lot of people probably wish they'd heard this, this before. So thanks for running through and giving us so much information, answering all those questions and so on. Um, I, I know I've gained a lot of uh, information today. So if anyone has further questions, then you've got Kerry's website details there. And in the transcription, i make sure they're, they're available. So you can always get in touch with Kerry if you... If you want to, or, or, or through myself, but uh, just to quickly summarise, I suppose the thing I wrote down here was uh, when we started looking, talking about all this and aspects of the business is you've really got to put a different hat on your head and look at your business from outside. So the real classic about working on it, this is just working from outside it, and and look at your business as an investor, look at it as a as an independent exercise, I suppose, in, in, independent entity. So that just in the way you look at your share portfolio. Your business is the same. You know, you're looking to create the best return you can. Uh,
1: Absolutely yeah. right. Put yourself mm. in the buyer's shoes.
0: Yeah, you then you, then, yeah, and then work towards your payoff, you know, towards when you do actually exit. So uh, I'll, I'll just reiterate those five Ds because I thought they were very uh, very helpful and uh, may not be in the same order as Kerry's, but, you know, it's the five Ds that trigger people um, actually exiting is death, disputes, divorce disasters and disability and uh, goodness any of those could happen to us at any time because most of those things are totally out of our control so uh, something to be to be uh, conscious of and uh, just a reminder again to make sure you've got your IP protected not just um, with the appropriate um, uh, you know sort of corporate respects but also from the point of view um, in the right company trust structures and so on so that you've got a bit of a moat protecting your intellectual property and it's not vulnerable if you ever have any disputes or any, anyone goes for you because they tripped on a banana skin. So uh, thank you. Mm, sorry. Okay, sorry,
1: Brian, I was just on that point. I was just going to say that that's where time comes into play as well because if you don't have those structures set up correctly now, if you give yourself enough time, you can make the changes that you do need to make.
0: Mm. Yeah, excellent. Okay, look, thank you very much again. So that's Kerry Bolden from the Exit Strategy Group, and her website there is exactly that. Um, And if you're interested in a copy of her book, it is a really worthwhile read. You you will enjoy it. It's a very quick, simple read, The Uncensored Truth About Exit Strategies, 10 minutes Every Business Owner Must Know Before Creating Their Exit Strategy. Well, there's a title that says it all. So, um, look, thank you very much indeed, Kerry. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. My
1: pleasure, Brian. Delighted to be able to uh, be on the show for you.
0: Thank you very much indeed. And uh, everybody, all the listeners, look forward to uh, speaking to you again when we run our next Franchise Radio Show.
1: Welcome to the Franchise Radio